0: Welcome to the Roto World Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Alfieri. And joining me like he does for every show is the senior writer and editor of Roto World Hockey, Michael Feinwax. Michael, how's it going? Everything's terrific, Joey. How are you? It's good. The all-star break is is come and gone. And now it's like we're, you know, the trade deadline's next. And then it's the home stretch. You know, where teams are we're starting to finally get a, a clearer picture of who's going to make the playoffs and who's not going to be in there. And there's going to be some pretty good races, I think, between now and the end of the year. Oh,
1: for sure. Like, you know, it's funny because the two teams that have nothing to worry about more than any are Boston and, uh, and Toronto. And you probably throw Tampa Bay in because they are so far ahead in the Atlantic conference that nobody's going to catch them. And it's just, uh, you know, chances are Tampa Bay is going to win the division and it's just the shuffle between Toronto and Boston to see who's going to get home ice advantage
0: in the, in the first round. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's funny because in the Atlantic, it's like you said, there's three teams (laughs) and there's everybody else. I mean, really, it just seems like they'll probably, I mean, Boston is is three points ahead of Toronto as of right now, but uh, the Bruins have four games in hand uh, and then Tampa Bay has a five point lead on Boston. The Bruins have two games in hand. So, I mean, there could be an interesting race at the top of the division, but I still think Tampa's going to, you know, they're going to figure everything out because I know they, you know, they haven't been as dominant lately, but you can't be dominant for 82 games. So I think Tampa's going to be okay.
1: Yeah. well, And the same thing for Boston. They've been dominant for so, so long for, well, you know, like 20, 25 games. And that usually doesn't, you know, you don't stay that hot that long usually.
0: Yeah, no, uh, absolutely not. Uh, before we get into those, uh, that playoff talk and all that stuff, I actually want to start elsewhere. Uh, Michael, Jeremy Jaeger uh, placed on waivers uh, in the last week, and then he's going back to Kladno, uh, his hometown, the team that he actually owns uh, over in the Czech Republic. Uh, but it looks like, I mean, I don't, I don't want to rule anything out, but it looks like his NHL career is over. Uh, just your first thought when you, when you saw that he was on waivers and that it, this would probably uh, be the end of the line in the NHL for him.
1: Well, my first thought was, what a great, great career. You know, he played three seasons in the KHL. If he didn't do that, not that he would approach Gretzky, because nobody's ever going to approach Gretzky, but, like, you know, he'd be the all-time games leader in games played in the NHL. He's already the all-time leader by far in game-winning goals with 135. I think he's, like, 32 ahead of the next guy. You know, just a great, great NHL career, and who would have thought that when he was drafted? And I remember the draft where there was five great players coming out and Pittsburgh was drafting 5th and Yocker just fell to him. I think Ricci went that year like it, it was a there was a it was a definite top 5 and Yager was you know considered the, the least attractive to some t- obviously and uh, you know Pittsburgh just stole him and uh, he won two cups when he was er- early and like he just had a great
0: NHL career. I mean there's some good players drafted ahead of him but Obviously, <laughs> nobody uh, like Yarmer Yager So in that year, it was the 1990 NHL draft. Quebec Nordiques had the first pick, and they took Owen Nolan, who had a pretty good career, played 1,200 games in the NHL, 885 points. Uh, obviously, spent a good chunk of time with that with the Sharks. Uh, Peter Nedved went second to Vancouver. Uh, he played 982 games, 717 points. Peter Nedved, I mean, that's a solid, hey, a uh, 717 points. I mean, there's nothing to scoff at. Oh, for sure. Uh, Keith Primo was a very good two-way player. He went third to the Detroit Red Wings, had 619 points in 909 games. Uh, Mike Ricci went fourth to Philadelphia, he had 605 points in 1,099 games. And then Yarber Jagr from uh, Kladno in the Czech Republic. Uh, he went fifth overall, and, as you mentioned one thousand nine hundred and twenty one points and seven and one thousand seven hundred and thirty three games he has seven hundred and sixty six uh, career goals and I mean the first thing that kind of stands out uh, to me michael i 'm looking at the at this draft and basically he 's the only player in the top twelve of that draft that did not play uh, major junior hockey so uh, I mean, obviously, scouting has changed and budge- budgets have changed. And, um, and times have changed. Yeah, times have I mean, changed. Yeah. So, I
1: mean, that's, that was still the time where, you know, the Soviet Union was in charge. Exactly. And, you know, it, it was tough to get out. And, you know, chances are, I mean, it didn't happen with Yager, but chances are you had to defect if you wanted to play if you were in, in uh, an Eastern European country. Yeah. And, so, uh,
0: yeah. So, um, I think it's easy to say now, oh, well, he went fifth. And, I mean, he was clearly talented, right? Uh, but, I mean, obviously, there was some some outside factors there. Uh, for me, he'll – I mean, in my mind, he'll always be a Pittsburgh Penguin. Uh, I know he, he, he made the he made the rounds there towards the end of his career. Uh, but, really, I mean, just a phenomenal career. So, obviously, the two Stanley Cups, and, and those were actually in his first two seasons. He won the Stanley Cup the first two years, and then he doesn't win it again. Uh, a Hart Trophy in the 98-99, Lester B. Pearson Award, Art Ross Trophy one to five times, uh, a Masterton Trophy once. Uh, he was the first-team all-star uh, seven times, the second-team all-star once. He was on the all-rookie team and a bunch of all-star appearances. Uh, won an Olympic gold medal, people forget, in 98. The Czech Republic mm-hmm. won a gold medal, won a bronze medal in 2006. So, uh, I mean, a, a guy who was pretty much – done it all uh in in i mean he played a long time he played a long time too but uh i mean just it's really an impressive career with a lot of major accomplishments
1: a hall of fame career no ifs ands or buts he'll be voted in as soon as he's eligible and deservedly so it's uh just a great career for i mean he's gonna turn 46 next week on, on valentine's day he's just like you know like I mean, Gordy's Howe still played another six years, but uh, <laughs> you're talking about <laughs> Gordy Howe, and uh, that's not a bad that's not bad company to
0: keep. Hey, uh, maybe, Michael, maybe he's going to play another six. It just might not be in the NHL. <laughs> maybe he's yeah, well, he's going to play in the Czech League. Yeah, you know, Gordy Howe though dominated
1: when yeah. he was like in the WHA, and even when he even his last year in the NHL at 52. Well, he ended, he turned 52, you know, the last couple weeks of the season. He still got 15 goals and I think 40 points as a yeah. 51,
0: 52 year old. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, I, we will. I I don't think we'll ever ever see that again. <laughs> no, no. Uh, so I, but I think you know what, Michael. I think one of the things with yager that is just is so impressive. I mean, obviously the skill level was off the charts, but I think even as he got older, and he, he clearly slowed down. I mean, he wasn't he, he wasn't nearly as quick. Uh, as he was when he was younger i mean that's totally normal but he was so smart and he knew he knew how to use his body uh and and it still made him effective in a league that was becoming you know increasingly a young man's game that was all about speed and all about skill i mean he was so smart that he was able to adapt and i think one of the most impressive things for me uh you know you look at 2015-16 it's two seasons ago he was 40 i guess he was 43 Um, He had 27 goals and 66 points for the Florida Panthers. I mean, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, well, that the the great ones can do that, and he was a great one. Yeah, you know, it's it's you know, you can't really describe it because they don't come along very often. Guys like Yager, you know, if at all, and uh, and when they do come along, you just marvel because the extent of their career. And you know, I hear this especially in baseball when they're talking Hall of Fame. And I'm not talking about a, a, a player like Yager, but they say, you know what? Yeah, but he built up his stats over 20 years. Yeah, you know how hard it is to play 20 years <laughs> in a major sport. You know, that's that's a huge accomplishment. If if you're, you know, if you're just a run-of-the-mill guy, you're happy to play three, four years. You know, not too many guys get to do that in the whole scheme of things. And this, and you're complaining about a guy who's run up a bunch of stats in 20 years. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. Is there one moment that kind of stands out for you? Uh, I don't know. I, There's I not think really that, one for me. No. I mean, it was really nice when he came back to the NHL after three years in the KHL and, and played well. I mean, that that stuck out when he returned. And yeah. mm-hmm. I didn't think he would do as nearly as well as he did. And he surprised me totally. And like you said, two years ago with 27 goals and 66 points, you know, that's... that's uh. You know, guys in their twenties wish they could do that. He was at a forty-three.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it goes without saying. I think, I mean, maybe if there's, I mean, it's not necessarily a moment, but uh, the Yager salute, I like that when he took off the glove, and then that was the his goal right. celebration there. That was pretty cool. That stands out. But I think it's not necessarily a moment, but I mean, he kind of made the. I don't know, maybe not. Made the mullet was pretty big back then, but the mullet was pretty cool when when he was rocking it. He, he, he rocked that pretty well. Well you know what else you know what else stands out for me that the number he wore
1: 68 because yep. that was the year that the uh, well Czechoslovakia tried to break away from uh, the Soviet Union. there was a big revolution there and you know eventually the Soviets you know knocked them down but you know it meant so many so
0: much to everyone in Czechoslovakia and, and he wore that number with honor. Look at that. Even a little history lesson here on the Roto World Hockey podcast with Joey Alfieri and Michael Finewax. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Joey Alfieri. Michael is at Hockey, And you can follow the uh, Roto World Hockey main page at Roto World underscore HK. So just uh, shifting gears, uh, Michael, if we can. uh, Colorado Avalanche, I know we've spoken about them in the last couple of weeks. They've really – I mean, I know the the 10-game winning streak came to an end (laughs) in Montreal uh, but they've really put together a, a nice stretch. They've put themselves back in the playoff conversation. I believe they're in the final wild card spot uh, as of right now. But a huge blow when they lost Nathan McKinnon. It's uh, it's expected to be anywhere between two and four weeks uh, with a shoulder injury. Really innocent-looking play. I mean, he went into the corner, uh, bumped shoulders with uh, Vancouver's Chris Tanev, and uh, he had to be uh, you know he had to he skated off immediately. Uh, No Nathan McKinnon, hard trophy, definitely hard trophy consideration, maybe front runner, uh, but that's going to be tough. It's going to be interesting to see how the uh, Avalanche adjusts in that respect.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. The simplest plays sometimes get you you the worst injuries, and uh, it's just unfortunate. You know, Colorado is a very, very fast team. They're totally different than last year when they were a veteran club. They got rid of all their, well, for the most part, all their older players. They're turning into a young, speedy team with McKinnon by far the best of the bunch. You know, I mean, the next two to four weeks, I guess it's you're getting close now to one to three weeks, we'll, we'll tell, because if, he, if he's only out another 10 days, you know, that won't be so bad for Colorado. And they can probably recover from that. But, you know, if it's another, you know, 24 days, be, if it's closer to the four-week range, you know, it's tough to lose on a young team like that a star and a stud like Nathan McKinnon.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, him and Kucherov, I think they're, they're right there, one, two in the conversation for MVP. And I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll be more than happy to make the argument that if you take Kucherov away, and again, this is not Kucherov's fault, but if you take Kucherov away from the Lightning, I think they'd be in way better shape than if you take McKinnon away uh, from the Colorado Avalanche. I mean, he's just not as well surrounded in Colorado, which, you know, it's not Kucherov's fault. It's not McKinnon's fault, but that's just the way. Uh, The cookie crumbles. And Colorado, their first game without McKinnon, they end up beating the Oilers 4-3 in overtime. But everybody's beating the Edmonton Oilers nowadays. Um, Yeah, My road hockey team beat them. (laughs) Yeah, they're pretty bad. Uh, The interesting thing, Colorado, I mean, they they went through that stretch, Michael, where uh, it was, you know, they won those 10 games in a row. They're one point up on Minnesota for a playoff spot right now. Um, But they played a lot of home games, and they're going to start going on the road now. So they played on the road yesterday uh in Edmonton uh and basically they're now this is that was the fifth game of their current road trip obviously the all-star break broken up there uh so it's not necessarily a a full-out trip uh but now they have Saturday in in Winnipeg which is going to be tough then they come back home on the 6th of February to play uh the San Jose Sharks then they're in St. Louis in Carolina in Buffalo Come home to take on Montreal on Valentine's Day. Then it's back on the road uh, for four of the next five games. You're going to be going through Western Canada. I mean, the schedule is really unforgiving. Uh, that's the, the, but that's the danger of playing so many home games. But at the same time, you won all those home games and you put yourself back in the playoff picture. You gave yourself a chance. But now this is going to be an interesting test. This young team, I want to see how they do uh, on the road. Even if you do sprinkle some games against Vancouver and Edmonton there, uh, I'm really, really curious to see how this young Colorado team kind of comes together uh, through this trying, you know, difficult time with No McKinnon and a bunch of road games.
1: Yeah, it should be interesting. You know, like the truth is, though, both you and I and most if not everyone else expected them to be right at the bottom of the barrel this year. Yes. In, in, the, <laughs> in the NHL standings and, you know, that that they're in this position is very, very encouraging and it's good, you know what, it, it's good, you have to learn how to lose sometimes, and playing on the road, you, you know, you tend to obviously lose more than you win. And, you know, I think it'll be good for the team, it would be a lot easier if they had Nathan McKinnon there, but, you know, the, you, gotta, you gotta work through it. And guys like Landeskog and Ratnan, you know, they, at least they got Tyson Berry back this week, yeah. and that's gonna help the defense. I think it'll hurt uh, Samuel Gerrard's uh, fantasy value a bit because you won't get as much power play time. But lo <laughs> and behold, he scored a goal yesterday, Gerrard. So you know who knows. You know yeah. it's just um, you know they're up against it and it's going to be tough. And if they can come through it, and if McKinnon comes back, or even if he doesn't come back so quick, and 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 the Colorado Avalanche grind it out and manage to stay within striking distance, you know you never know what happens in. In March, you never know what kind of trade they'll pull there, you know, come trade deadline time. And, you know, it'll be interesting. But if they don't do anything in the next few weeks, chances are they won't be buyers at the trade deadline. You know, if anything, they'll sell off a player or two
0: and try to get a draft pick. And we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um you know, I, I think it's interesting, Mark, because sometimes we look really foolish. Like, yes, like not yesterday, last year, sorry. Uh, everyone was talking, Jared Bednar, oh, you know what, maybe you know, not ready to take over an NHL team. I mean, this is one of the worst NHL seasons that we've seen in a really long time from a team. And then all of a sudden, a year later, I guess uh, things have become a lot more clear. The second, you know, the second go-around, uh, you know, the, the players, most of them are familiar with what he's done. And I mean, he, he's done a, a relatively good job. And I mean, they, they did make some changes, like you know, like you alluded to, and, and some of their young guys have really grabbed the bull by the horns and they've stepped up. But you know, I think overall they've they've done a lot better. Uh, they play fast, like you said, and you know what, Varlamov and Jonathan Bernier have not exactly been the greatest goalies in the world the last few years, and they've been giving them some serviceable goaltending as well, which obviously helps. But it, it's just incredible in, in this NHL how fast things can change.
1: Oh yeah, uh, I mean that's the beauty. That's the beauty of parody. Uh, You know, you're 100% right with the goaltending. Varlamov got hurt last year. Their goaltending was absolutely horrid. You know, Varlamov got healthy again. He's played well. They got a very serviceable backup in Jonathan Bernier, who when Varlamov got hurt, you know, over the last stretch, uh, uh, Bernier came in and and did, did a great job. That most NHL teams wish they had a goaltender like Bernier for that stretch of time. And uh, you know what? There's a lot to be hopeful for in Colorado for the future. They've got a good young team. They got rid of a big, big problem when they traded Matthew Shane. They've got a bunch of draft choices coming, as well as a, a defenseman that they absolutely love in Gerard. You know, like the future is bright in, in Colorado, just like it is in a, quite a few cities. But don't be surprised next year if they – if they drop back, if they have a really good season this year, don't be surprised if they regress because that's what happens. Like, look at Edmonton this year. You know, everyone thought there'd be a Stanley Cup contender. <laughs> you know, the, the, their chances are they're not even making the Stanley Cup playoffs. And that's just the way it is with with young teams.
0: Yeah, the, I mean, and that one is even more surprising because they have the best player in the world. But yeah, that's a story for another day. You're listening to the Roto-World Hockey Podcast with Joey Alfieri, Michael Finewax. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Alfieri at Hockey and at Roto-World underscore HK. Uh, so Michael, how much of uh, All-Star Weekend did you end up catching?
1: Uh, you know what? I caught a little bit, very little bit of the uh, skill stuff. And my, I caught, uh, I think, about a game and a half of the actual All-Star game. All right, yeah. I saw... Yeah. I saw the second game, but you know what I find, you know, three on three hockey is very exciting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But like five minutes, six minutes in, it's the same thing the whole game. It's back and forth, and you know, it's like, I mean, there's great scoring chances, but there's no defense, and you know, goalie Some goalies make great saves, and you know, some guys have great games. Like Connor McDavid had four assists in the first game, and Kucherov had the hat trick in the second game. You know, and Brock Besser was the was the MVP, but. Uh, you know what, all-star games are, are showcasing the league, and the, the only all-star game that really means anything is baseball because there's no hitting, and, you know, well, there is hitting, but there's no physical hitting. I yeah. mean, you know, football's not a good all-star game, and basketball's just a, an offensive show that, uh, you, know, it's like, you know, it's like the Harlem Globetrotters playing the Harlem Globetrotters. It's all, all offense and uh, lots of smiles.
0: I really don't know what they can do to spice it up because I'll be honest with you, I didn't watch much Sunday, uh, but I saw the whole thing on Saturday. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't really know what they can do to spice it up, like because I don't want them to go and have it like baseball. You know, I don't want you know if if a team from the West wins, then the you know they get home ice in the Stanley Cup. I, you know, I really don't want a player from Arizona deciding who gets home ice advantage in the Stanley cup playoffs, you you know, you understand what I'm trying to say. It's just, it's not the way I'd go, but at the same time, I can also tell you that I don't really have a solution, (laughs) a solution to fix how bland it is. So I guess we're just going to kind of keep rolling out, you know, whatever it is that we roll out here uh, every February and, and that'll be that. And, you know, there'll be some form of entertainment, but I mean, it's just like the breakaway relays and the fastest skater. It's just like, everything's been done. You know, like at this point, it's just like it's like these guys are out of ideas and they don't know what else to do. But at the same time, I don't blame them because I don't have any solutions either. Okay, you want my solution? Sure.
1: My solution is every four years,
0: <laughs> I'm sorry? Blow it
1: up? <laughs> no. Well, you know, you have the All-Star Game two years out of every four. One year out of every four, you go to the Olympics, like they should have done this year, and it right. would have been an All-Star Game. And the other, And the fourth year, you have the World Cup where the best teams come you, you break away for 10 days in North America, the best, the best play they're They're all in shape. It's not done in September when, you know, I mean, hockey players stay in shape now the full year, but, you know, they're not in hockey shape and they're not, you know, they're not, you know, their hockey playmaking abilities aren't as great as they are in the middle of the season. And, you know, you break away from 10 days, you, you play, you have eight, I guess, I don't know, maybe you have eight teams in there or six teams even, you know. The rest of the guys got the break. You have, you know, I guess a two, three team divisions where uh you play twice, so you play every other day. And then you have like the semifinals and the finals. And believe me, that'll bring plenty of action to hockey. And everyone will love watching it. And it'll be a huge moneymaker. And, you know, one city will will luck into all these games, you know, or, or you'd have it in a couple cities, and that's how you and that's how you break it up. Whereas most of the guys will get time off. Guys will come over from the KHL to play for certain teams. You know, the States will be great. Canada will be great, you know, and, and, and you go from there. And hopefully, you know, I mean, Sweden will be great because they, they got a bunch of great players. Finland will have a really good team. The Russians will have a really good team. And I guess maybe the, the Czech Republic will be the, the, the fifth, the sixth team. Or, and you just go from there. And I think that, that'll make, make it a, something to look forward to. You know, fine, you can say, you know, the All-Star game is this year and it's, you know, you do what you do. And then next year we got something to look forward to again.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, that's interesting. It's different. Uh, <coughs> I know on, on Pro Hockey Talk we were asked to come up with a solution. And, I mean, I know it will never happen, but my solution was go back to the fantasy draft, all right? So, you you know, you have four captains or whatever it is, two captains, and they they pick their team, you know, player by player. But the different wrinkle I would have is, Once a player gets picked, there's like a random simulator there and the random simulator tells you what position you have to play during the All-Star game. So if Carey Price goes up and gets picked by whomever, Austin Matthews or or whomever, then he has to go up. And if he's right wing, well, then he has to play right wing for the All-Star game, which will never happen because like injuries and all that stuff can happen or whatever if you're playing a position you're not used to. But wouldn't that be fun? Like, Wouldn't you watch that? Yeah, I'd watch it if Carey Price was playing right wing. I'd even watch <laughs> if he was playing left wing. Well, I think my example was what if Carey Price and, like, Eric Carlson ended up making a pairing? You know what I mean? Like, that? how funny would that be? That would be awesome.
1: Yeah, but are you really going to stick Alex Obechkin in that if that's what he – like, are you going to think oh, – that's the problem. Think, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't think Washington would be too happy with that. But. No, no. I don't even no, think no, Washington would No, no, I realize be. it's unrealistic, but I just thought it would be funny. And plus, players don't want to look bad, so – I think that's a surefire way to make them look bad.
1: Right. I I think if right. you want to do it if you want to do it. You pick players' names out of a hat, and that's
0: how you. Pick yeah, them. old school. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, you know that could be good. Fighting. Yeah, that wouldn't be bad either. Um, all right. I mean, it's, it's not really picking names out of a hat, but the, the Golden Knights—they they put this incredible season together. I know we talk about them often. I know you were in Vegas last week, uh, but on Thursday night. They set a, a new NHL record by collecting their thirty-fourth win, Michael—the most by an expansion team uh, in NHL history—and there's thirty, there's thirty-two games left. Uh, I know we've said a lot about Vegas, but man, I mean, this season just keeps getting wilder and wilder.
1: Oh, it sure does. Uh, I mean, the the job McPhee has done, the job Gallant has done—it's like, you know, they're deserving of every award that that could possibly be given to both of them because it's just a you know, no other sport could do this, you know, for sure not baseball, for sure not football, and for sure. Not, I mean, basketball is the only one that has a chance because if you draft the the next LeBron James and you have right. the first pick, you know, it's possible that you have a, a dream season right away. But, uh, I mean, you know, I mean, it happened to Milwaukee, their second year in the league in basketball when they, they drafted. Then Lou Alcindor became Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And, he you know, one player can do that in basketball. But to draft 20-some-odd players and pick, put a team together in hockey, I mean, that's just unbelievable, and what a superb job. You know, the NHL gave them a chance to do that, and they took full advantage and did it.
0: But still, I I, I realize that the NHL did that. Like, you know, they're, they're better than the average expansion team, Michael, but looking at their roster, I didn't think they were all that good.
1: Well, they were solid defensively. They had a bunch of NHL defensemen, and they're very, very deep on the blue line. That guys who should be in the NHL are still in the minors because they got eleven they got eleven guys, they couldn't trade them all. They they certainly got a great goaltender in, in Flurry or a very good goaltender in Flurry. So that doesn't surprise me. And well, again, I'm gonna say I'm hugely surprised by the whole thing too. But looking back on it, you know, like the pick of William Carlson, yeah. the fourth liner in Columbus, and to have him be a stud offensive player. I mean, that's McPhee or the, and that's the scouting staff because they saw it and they saw he wasn't being used to the best of his abilities in in Columbus. They took advantage because Columbus wasn't keeping him and they put him in a situation where he could excel and he, he's done everything and more. And, and yeah. you can just go through the lineup and the same thing. You know, they stole – like you mentioned last week, they stole Riley Smith from Florida and they got Marcia Soap from Florida. I mean – those were two of their better players on the, on the, you know, I, I mean, take away Barkov and, uh and uh, Hubert though, and uh Trocek and uh you know, right now those guys would be a solid, solid second right. line, a terrific second line for Florida. If you, th- if you throw them in there with uh Trocek and uh, how good would Florida be with those two guys back in the lineup?
0: Yeah. There's no doubt. And, like, they gave away Riley Smith. I know they want to keep Marshall, so. But, I mean, they gave Riley Smith away. And I he's uh, he's having a nice year. So, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's been a great season in Vegas. 34 wins, <laughs> 32 games to go. Uh, very, very curious to see. Because, I mean, now the regular season, I mean, it's not an old story. I mean, it's a it's a pretty fresh story. But uh, they've definitely impressed. Uh, but now, I mean, I'm curious to see what they do in the playoffs. Are they going to be one and done? Or are they going to make a run? I You know, I, I have no idea. Well, I obviously have no clue.
1: You know, like I mean, I'll go out on a limb and say there's no sure thing that they're making the playoffs, though, because they can be caught if they go into a bad slump. Wow, Michael, they're twelve points ahead of the second place team in the in the Pacific. I understand, but you know, stranger things have happened with expansion teams. You know, but you know, chances are hundred. Yeah, you're, you know, I'm just going out on a limb, being devil's advocate, and saying right. no, don't. You know, I mean, I, I, for sure think they're going to make the playoffs as well, but. You know there is a possibility that they won't, that they'll just fall
0: apart. That's fair. Yeah, but uh, okay,
1: it'll be would, interesting.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's that's the that's the storyline I'm keeping my eye on going into the playoffs. If they make it, like you said, uh, what exactly is Vegas going to do? Uh, all right, I'm gonna. I was gonna ask you, like I always do, what are you looking forward to this weekend? But I mean, it's a Super Bowl, uh, so if we can give our predictions here, uh, just very quickly, uh, a little football talk. I know you're a big football guy. I am as well. Uh, where are you leaning this weekend? <laughs> I, I like Philly with the points. Are they was at four now? Uh, okay. yeah, I don't know. But it opened, I I, it, I, I, think, I think New England will win late, right by a field goal. Yeah, so that's I'm, what I, I I made a prediction uh, on the radio this week. I said it'd be 1919 uh, with a final uh, New England's going to get the ball in the dying seconds. they're going to you know Brady's going to march them downfield and Gustowski's going to hit a field goal. I think the uh, Patriots win 22-19. Ah, that would that would be that would be great. No,
1: not that but, I'm a New England fan because I'm not. I'm, right. not I'm a New York Jets fan. Uh, oh, and and hold the booing there, but uh, <laughs> so I'm anything but a New England fan. But you know, like well, what a team they have, and uh, I I'd love to see Philly win it though. That that would be great for football with Nick Foles. That would be great. Yeah, that you know, would be he's awesome. Not that bad, you know. Everyone to no. think that he's uh, you know that he's just a. Bad, bad replacement, but he's had some good games. I mean, he certainly played terrific against Minnesota.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah, he was great yeah. in the title, NFC title game. But yeah. I just think it's because when you go from Carson Wentz to Nick Foles, that could kind of be demoralizing for a team. Teams can unravel when stuff like that happens. And I think Doug Peterson, the head coach, has done a really good job just adapting and molding the game plan to Nick Foles. And I'll be rooting for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope they win, but – uh, I think uh, I think the Patriots are going to get it done, which is kind of boring for both of us to pick the Patriots because it seems like everybody is. Right. But I mean, I'm just you know we're just going with the, with what our head tells us, right? That's right. <laughs> All right, Michael. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy the hockey. We'll talk next week. You too. Have a great one. Thank you very much. Uh, don't forget, folks. You can listen to the Roto World Hockey podcast on iTunes. You can listen on Stitcher on Art19.com. Don't forget to subscribe. Uh, and leave us a rating uh, if you appreciate the show. Uh, don't forget, you can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at Joey Alfieri. Michael's at M Fine Wax Hockey and the Roto World Hockey main page is at HK. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy the hockey, and we'll talk next week.